This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. And Jesus said to his disciples, Don't be afraid, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes in near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. And be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt on and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. And if he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. And you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we pray that we would hear not just the words of men, but the words of God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to take that as my text this morning. You thought I was going to be in Colossians. Well, we didn't even have a reading from Colossians. <laughs> I want to take that as my text from Luke's chapter 12. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 35 and 40, just a part of that reading. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find the text on page uh, 1035. Luke, Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 40. Indeed, in verse 37, Jesus says, Blessed are those servants whom the master shall find ready when he comes. Blessed are those servants whom the master shall find ready when he comes. This morning I want to talk about being ready to be blessed. About being ready to be blessed. I've always appreciated something that the English Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli, which he was Prime Minister, Prime Minister many, many years ago. In fact, uh, the monarch was Queen Victoria at the time. But he said this, The secret to success in life is for a man, or as a woman as the case may be, the secret to success in life is for a man to be ready for his time when it comes. Be ready for his time when it comes. And in our text, Jesus says that before we can be blessed, we need to be ready. Indeed, notice again verses 35 and 36 and 39 and 40. Notice verse 35. Jesus said, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like a man who is waiting like men who were waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Verse 39, but know this, if the master of the house had known the hour that the thief or the burglar in this case was coming, he would not have left his house open to be broken into. And you also, Jesus says, must be ready for the Son of Man is coming 
He is coming, Jesus says, at an hour that you do not expect. And so Jesus says that we need to be ready for him at his coming. Like as he gives a, a model or a metaphor, if you like, like servants eagerly waiting for the master's return from a wedding feast. Now, wedding feasts in Jesus' day could last a long time. In fact, there's a reference in the Deuterocanonical literature in the book of Tobit that, um, that references a, a, a wedding feast that lasted for a whole week, for seven days. And so when is it, is it a, a two-day wedding, a three-day wedding? You remember, Jesus, you remember Jesus went to a wedding in Canaan and the, and the wedding feast was almost cut short because what did they run out of? They ran out of wine. You can't have a wedding feast without wine, right? And so what did Jesus do? He said, fill up those water pots. And of course, he turned the water into wine. And the interesting thing about it was is that it was taken to the, to the master of ceremonies. He drank it. He didn't know uh, where it had come from or anything like that. He knew that they had a problem. Here's this wine. And then he went to the bridegroom and he said, this is, this is extraordinary because I've never been the master of ceremonies at a, at a wedding except that they gave the best wine first. And then when everybody was, uh, you know, their senses were doll, then they brought out the junk. But you saved the best wine till now. <laughs> and so Jesus says, and be ready. Like servants eagerly awaiting the master's return from the wedding feast. In fact, he says, uh, be dressed for action. In fact, literally in the Greek, it means uh, be with your loins girded. I think the last time I heard the word loins was in the movie Smokey and the Bandit. And I think it was Buford T. Justice who told his son that he couldn't possibly have come from his loins. But loins means the waist. And what this is referring to is in Jesus' day, men wore uh, a long cloak. They didn't wear pants. They wore what we would think of as a skirt. And to gird up your loins was to draw up that material up above your knees and, and, and take that material and stuff it up underneath the belt that went around your waist so that you could run, you could work, you could do whatever you needed to do. Indeed, if you had left the, left the material down, it would be constantly in your way. Jesus is saying, uh, be ready and be ready for business. Dress for action. Jesus says. And he says, and, and have your lamps burning. In fact, when we were Israel, they gave us a little clay lamp. You know, it's kind of shaped like what you would think of if you've never seen one, kind of like, you know, the, a genie's lamp, uh, a little clay lamp, and there would be a hole where you would put the olive oil in at the top, and then a bit of a spout, and then another hole where you would put a piece of cloth or something else to make a wick. And uh, you have to keep putting the oil in to keep the light burning. Uh, this is basically an idiom from Jesus' day, which means be ready at all times so that you can work in the day and you can work at the night and, and you can be active and be watching and be alert no matter the time. Indeed, Jesus says that we should be watching and waiting. Are you watching and waiting? <laughs> I mean, that's like, is he coming? You remember the story, in, the, in, in fact, in Luke's gospel, in chapter 15, the story of the, what we refer to oftentimes as the prodigal son. 
And when the, when the youngest son went out into the far country, then he came to his senses, and then he came back. And as the story goes, it says the father was watching for him. And when his head appeared over the horizon, and then his chest, and then maybe part of the lower part, that's my son! And he ran to him. And he was ready for the son because he was watching. And Jesus tells us, to be watching for him. He could come at any time. In fact, uh, the word imminent came up and we were watching the news and Linda said they keep on saying the word imminent. And I said, sure enough, yeah, that means at any time, any time now. When we talk about the imminent return of Jesus Christ, that's a fact. He's not like waiting for your or, or my permission. He can come at any time. And our calling as disciples of his is to be watching to be waiting and to be ready. And so Jesus says that we need to be ready for him when he comes like a servant, eagerly waiting for his master's return at the wedding feast, to open to him when he comes, that he shouldn't have to wait if we follow the metaphor. There he is. We've been waiting for you. We're glad you're home. We have everything prepared. What is it that you need? Ha! We're ready. And Jesus says we need to be ready for him and his coming like servants who know that the master can return at any time. In fact, at a time when we might least expect. Indeed, notice again verses 39 and 40. And he gives another, another illustration for you, for, he says, and know this. It's in the imperative. He's telling you, know this. <laughs> know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief or the burglar was coming, he would not have left his house open to be broken into. And verse 40, and this is the application, and so you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming <laughs> at an hour you do not expect. Indeed, servants who behave in this way are not shocked when the master comes. They're not surprised. They're not ashamed. Oh, my gosh, I'm, well, I'm not ready for you. <laughs> Those who are ready are ready. They're ready because they have been obedient and faithful, doing all that the Lord had told them to do while he was gone. They have been dressed for action, and they have been taking it. Indeed, even though they don't know exactly the time, they know he will return. He said he would, and he's never lied to me before. Listen, do you think you can take Jesus' word for it? It's been a long time, hasn't it? I mean, that's one of the things that's mentioned in the second letter of Peter. Where is his coming? You say he's coming. And Peter said, listen, with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And God is being merciful. You should be glad he hasn't come yet, because he's working in the world, and he's touching people's hearts and opening them and people are repenting and he's continuing his uh, act of, of redemption in the world. Uh, he's not finished. When he's finished, uh, he will come and we don't know exactly when he might be finished. But anyway, they know that he's coming. They just don't know the exact time. And so they watch for his return. In fact, they even long for it. He's a good master. He's a, he, is a, he is the philosopher king 
of Plato. He, he is the good king, and we love him. He does us good. In fact, he's the king who lays down his life for us. And so we long for his coming. And in fact, uh, I was thinking about this and thinking about the words of Paul and his last letter to Timothy. In fact, it was the last thing seemingly that he wrote to Timothy before he was executed. In fact, he talks about that, that my time has come. In fact, this is what he wrote in the fourth chapter, beginning at verse 7. I have fought the good fight. <laughs> That's what people say when they're at the end. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me, reserved for me, a crown of righteousness which the Lord, ooh, the Lord, Kyrios, Jesus, the righteous judge will award me on that day, the day of judgment. And not only to me, not only will I be given this crown of righteousness, but he says this, and take note, not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Those who have loved his appearing. What an extraordinary expression. They have loved it. I can't wait to see his appearing, his parousia, his coming. And so that's the first thing. Before we can be blessed, we need to be ready. And then secondly and finally, Jesus says, and if we are ready, we will be blessed, even blessed perhaps in a way we might not have expected. In fact, I, I, might, have, uh, I might have chosen not to deal uh, with this uh, text because it's a fairly common one. I might have chosen something, maybe the Hebrews passage or whatever. But this caught my eye. In fact, there's something here, and we'll get to it in just a moment, about uh, what will happen and the, the nature of the blessing yet to come that is peculiar to Luke's uh, gospel, and it's not found anywhere else. But, but notice again, beginning at verse 35, he says, stay dressed for action. <laughs> there is no holiday for, for, for being faithful to Jesus Christ. You may take a holiday, and you probably should, for ministry because you need to take a rest. And Jesus would take his disciples and say, come on, let's go to a, a deserted place because we haven't even had time to eat. We need to, we need to take care of ourselves, take care of our bodies. We're finite human beings, etc., right? But, but faithfulness, even when you're on vacation, you should be faithful <laughs> because you're a disciple of his. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once, immediately is in the Greek, <laughs> when he comes and knocks. And blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table. And he will come and serve them. And if he comes at the second watch of the night or the third watch and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. So Jesus says that those who are ready when the Lord's returned are blessed, happy, <laughs> over the moon. 
That is, uh, as Jesus describes them, they are, they are awake, they're waiting. These are those who are watching for the Lord. And these are those whom he blesses. Notice verse 38 is really an interesting. It says, and if he comes in the second watch or the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. The Jews, the, the Romans divided the night into four watches or sections, divisions of the night. And the Jews divided it into three. We're thinking that Jesus is referring uh, to how the Jews divided the time of the night because he mentions the second uh, and the third watch. The first watch would be from 6 p.m. Uh, at dusk, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Generally speaking, we use watches. They don't have watches. They, they, would, they counted the, the time of the day by seeing where the sun was in the sky. But approximately 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Then the second watch, the middle watch, would be from 10 to 2 in the morning. And the last or the final watch, the third watch, would be from 2 in the morning to 6 in the morning, or that is just before dawn. Or as we have it in the New Revised Standard, when they describe the second watch and the third watch, if he comes in the middle of the night or just before dawn. And the point is that they are spiritually awake when other people are spiritually asleep. And because of this, Jesus says they will be blessed. And Jesus says that those who are ready when the Lord returns, when he returns, he himself will serve them. And this is the bit that is unique to Luke's gospel. You won't find this anywhere else. But notice the second, well, just the whole verse 37. Blessed are those, who, who, those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes, <laughs> unexpectedly, but they're ready. Truly I say to you, Jesus says, the word truly is the word amen, which is the way the Hebrews say amen, that's the way the Greeks say it, and that's how we say it. It means truly, truly, you can count on it, or we might say, you can take it to the bank. <laughs> truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table. The servants, <laughs> the master comes home, and this is what he does. He will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. And so Jesus says when he returns, he will dress himself for service. This is the same exact word that we find in verse 35 that says, gird up your loins or be dressed for action. He calls us to be dressed for action, and he will dress himself for action. He calls us to serve him, and he will serve us. In fact, that's what he did on the night he was betrayed, right? Took off his outer garment and wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin, and what did he do? He began to wash the disciples' feet. It's a huge, it's a huge role reversal. In fact, that's why Peter was having such trouble. No, you're the Messiah. I want to sit next to you. You're not going to wash my feet. <laughs> and he said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And so he girds up his loins. 
to serve, and he invites his servants to recline at table. In the Middle Eastern fashion, they had tables that low to the ground, and you would, you would lay, literally lay on the, on the, on the floor. And on, you would lean on your left hand, and you would use your right hand to eat. And you would say, boy, this is sure good hummus. I bet you we're going to beat the Lemonese this year at the, con at the hummus contest. Did you know I heard that? I learned that in, in Israel, that they have these big contests between the Israel and the Lebanese, and sort of like, who's got the best hummus? You know, it's like a chili. Like they have, we have chili contests, they have hummus contests over there. Now, and they all eat the same thing, by the way. The, the Turks and the Greeks and everybody around the sea, they all eat that same stuff. And it's fabulous, by the way. But the, the, and this is sort of reminiscent, isn't it, of Jesus uh, in John 21. And, and Peter says, I'm going fishing. And Jesus had resurrected, and he was on, he was on the beach. And, and uh, he calls out to them, and he says, have you caught any fish? And they called back, no. And he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat. They cast the net, and they caught so many fish they couldn't control it. And John said to Peter, <laughs> it's Jesus. And so anyway, long story short, they make it uh, to the beach, and there Jesus has bread and fish broiling, and he, what does he say? He invites them, come and have breakfast. And so in the end of the age, he will invite his servants to recline at table. And Jesus says, and then he will serve them with a meal. Perhaps a reference to the messianic banquet yet to come in the kingdom of God. Remember Jesus said, and I will no longer drink wine with you until we drink it together in the kingdom of God. The point being is that he will honor them. If you're being faithful to the master, you will be honored. He will honor you. So Jesus says. In fact, this brings us back again to Paul's last letter to Timothy. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've, I've kept the faith. I'm not perfect, but I did the best I could in the power that he provided me. I was always on it. I was always dressed for action. I was faithful. Because he's faithful to me. How can I not serve this God, this Jesus Christ, who gave everything to see me safe and took upon himself something he had, he had no personal knowledge of? Sin. My sin. He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. How can I not serve this Jesus Christ who loves me so? I fought the good fight. I finished the race, Paul says. I've kept the face and henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. All those who are watching. All those who are waiting all those who are ready for the Lord when he returns. 
These are, Jesus said, says, those who are blessed, and these are they who will be blessed. And so what did Disraeli say? The secret to success in life is for a man or a woman, as the case may be, to be ready for his time when it comes. And my time is coming. And your time is coming. And when the Lord returns, that will mark the end of time as we now know it. And the only question is, will you be ready? Will I be ready? Let us pray. We want to be ready, Lord, I hope. <laughs> Help us not to be fooled just because you're doing things according to your timetable that you're not going to do what you said. That would be foolish. Sometimes the train comes in slow to the station. And because it travels slow, we mustn't think that it's not traveling at all or that it should never arrive because it will. And we want to be ready for it. What do we have to lose, Lord, by not being ready? We're both blessed now and will be blessed on that day. And so give us an appetite for such blessing. Give us the grace we need, Lord, to be faithful. Help us to get our priorities straight and stop investing in things that we can't take with us beyond the grave and invest in those things that we cannot lose. Help us, Lord, to invest in our character and the greater virtues, all of which are ours as we faithfully obey you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.